We're starting a, a new series this week. It's going to be the, the next three weeks leading up to Heart for the House. And we were excited about it. And we wanted to go back and, um, and, and talk about great. This is grace. This is who we are. So the next three weeks, we're gonna you see it kind of around the, the building and you, on our website and everything. There's, there's three core principles, if you would, that we always try to look to when we move forward in direction and, and where we want to go. And they are... Does anybody know? Pop quiz. One of them's on the screen. <laughs> love God. Love people. Building the church together. There we go. So, uh, so this week is, is love God, and we love how it all works out. We're going to talk about that and why we believe what we believe. And next week is is um, love people, and and what a great way to add that in with baptisms. I'm telling you, it's going to be, next week's going to be a powerful week, and then. Celebrating heart for the house, uh, we'll be building the church, and once again, the direction that pastor has, and, and where we feel that we're going as a church, and, and man, we do a lot. Uh, sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that, or it's easy you know, to come in weekly and, and it bypass, but, but the reach that we have, we do a lot. Um, and, and what we do, um, you know, so often people want the mega church. I was talking to someone this week, and, and so often, you know, a, a large body, and man, that's great. That's, that's lovely, because that's people coming to know Jesus. But it's, when church is healthy and it's powerful, it's still the reach that it has is still touching lives, and we do that. Um, we believe that grace is a healthy church. It's, uh, there was someone visiting here last week, and they were here for the first time, and they came to pastor afterwards, and they said, man... It felt like home. It felt like family. Um, and they had never even been here before. So we love that environment we create. I hope you guys feel the same, um, that, you know, that you feel at home. Um, you haven't kicked your shoes off yet. Um, your neighbors may thank you for that, um, just in case your feet smell. Um, but we're so glad you're in church. So we're going to look at uh, the idea of loving God this week, and, 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 or the idea of love God, and I'm excited about it. But first we're going to pray, and then we're going to look to Scripture, all right? All right, so God, we just thank you again so much for your presence, God, who you are to us. God, what you do through us, oh man, you're just great. And uh, God, we pray that as we look to Scripture that we can see you and your heart for us, God, as a church, as families, as individuals, and that we can be changed. Um, because when we see Jesus, we can't stay the same. God, we thank you so much for this week. Pray that Carolina starts the season off right on Saturday with a win over Coastal. Please do what you can with what you got. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. It's, it's going to be a lot of prayer and fasting over the next 12 weeks. Um, they said some, you know, Scripture... Jesus said, uh, you know, some evil spirits only come out with fasting, and maybe that's why we haven't won in a while. Um, so we shall see. All right, so Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 40 through 48 is where we're going to look. We're going to be in the New King James Version. It's a, uh, a, um, a story that we all know, and if we, we've been in church, we've probably heard it, but we're going to look to it today. We have three portions of scriptures today, so if you haven't read your Bible, got your daily reading in, you're going to get it in in church, so don't worry. And it goes like this, and it came to pass that when Jesus had returned, the people had gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. For he had one daughter only, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, 
the people thronged him. They crowded around Jesus. We'll go to the next one. And a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, who had spent all of her living upon physicians, but could not be healed by any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stained, stopped. She was healed right there. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes uh, throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, and you sayest thou who touched me. That's difficult to read. You should add that into your language this week of thee and thou, and man, this traffic has thronged my car, like all around me. Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she uh, she was not hid, she came trembling and falling before him. And she declared unto him before all the people for uh, for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace. What a story, right? What we Man, we can... Uh, there's so much to unpack from from Jairus and his daughter to the people around him to even to the age of the girl who was 12 years old and then this lady has uh, an issue for 12 years and then there was 12 disciples and 12 tribes. There's so much going on in this story here. But we want to look at this one portion of this lady who came and touched the fringe of Jesus' garment. Because we have to realize, church, Jesus didn't just come for redemption. If Jesus, his purpose was just to save us from sin, and that was the only reason he came, he could have came and done that in one day. He could have came, showed up, died, hey, I'm God in flesh, your sins are taken care of. But Jesus came and he lived out his life so he can reveal the heart of, his, of the Father to the people. Because everything he did had purpose. Everything he did had uh, action. We, we have to remember, and sometimes we can forget, that everything that Jesus did was perfect. We can't rewind and say, if he would have only done it this way, it could have been a little bit better. If he would have only said this, then maybe this would have happened. There was no what-ifs with Jesus. That everything, And he only came to die one time. So no matter how bad, no matter how horrible we may think things are, the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross still covers it all. He's not coming back to die again. So even for that co-worker or that family member or that person, you say, man, their life is so screwed up. You know, Jesus still died for them as well, no matter how bad we may think it is. But this story in, in, uh, is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they all record the same story of this woman. And it, you know, if, if all three of the four disciples did this, then it had to be a moment of, uh, uh, there had to be a reason, there had to be a purpose that this moment stuck out to them. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, uh, you know, it says that the Father actually turned from him. And, and beginning to look at it in, in Scripture, when you see someone's face looking upon you, that means you have approval. But when the face turns, that means you don't. It's disapproval. It's wrath when your face turns. You, you don't give them attention. And that's when it talks about in Scripture when Jesus was on the cross and, and he died, the, the Father's face turned from him. Why? Because he became sin on the cross and the Father could not look upon him. But we know that Jesus became sin to die for us so that nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. Right? You, you still tracking with me? And, and it's interesting because if we went back to Exodus 33... 
with Moses, and Moses is there, and you, you know, we know the story, or you may know the story if you don't go back and read it, where Moses wants to see God's face. Moses is there in the cleft of the rock, and, and there's a dilemma. You know, it, it can't happen. God says, you can't see me. I'm going to pass by, but you can't see me, because if you look at me in my face, then you are going to die. You can only see me as I pass. Once I get past, I'll let you know. Um, so that's the Old Covenant relating. That's how man related in, in Exodus um, in, in the Old Testament with, with rules and laws. You know, we've talked about it with the Ten Commandments. It, it, it always talked about what the hand was doing, the placement of the hands. But then Jesus came and took the ten and condensed them to two. And it's about what the heart is doing. Because if, what the, if the position of the heart is correct, then the hands will be doing what is correct. But the hands can be doing good things all day long, but if the heart is in the wrong place, then it's in vain. And we see that all the time. We, see, we can turn that in the news and see, man, these people that we thought were, uh, we put them on pedestals and we thought they were all this, but then their private life get exposed. And we see that it was really the position of the heart that was off. So it doesn't matter. Your hands may be doing good, but the position of your heart is off. But the good thing, like I said, man, when we come to Jesus and put our trust and our hope and lean into Jesus, then we know our hands will be doing the right things because our heart's in the right position. So, and like I said, in the Old Testament, it was looking when the face was towards someone, that means that there was approval. But when the face turned, that means wrath or judgment would come about. And like I said, Moses said, God, I want to see your face. And God said, if you do, it will kill you. And he said, okay, <laughs> maybe not your face then. Um, we, we can work this out. And, uh, but, but even in the midst of that, Moses wanted to see God's face, but God still found a way for it to happen because he knew it would kill him, but he still wanted to meet with him. So he said, okay, well, here's the proposition. You're going to get in the cleft of a rock. And then I'm going to pass and you're going to see my back, the, the backside of me as I go. I mean, even in the midst of it, God still found a way to meet with Moses. You know, so often we come to God and we say, God has got to be this way. And if it doesn't meet that way, then we think that God's abandoning us when he's still working for us. And he's still finding a way. He's still getting to us. And he's still going to provide for us, even if it doesn't look exactly like what we were thinking. I mean, Moses would melt. I, I would be panicking in that moment. I mean, if, if he's saying, if you look at me in the face of you, you're going to die. I'm like, are you, are you sure you're past? Are you sure you're gone? You know, like as a, as a kid, like, uh, you know, you want to peek through your hands, put your hands over your face. Like, are you sure my hands are good enough to block out your glory? Because you said I'm going to die if I look at you. Um, you know, would have wrapped things around my eyes, would have, have got those big glasses from the doctor when they dilate your eyes. You know, like I want protection. I don't want to be able to see that. But even in that momentary glimpse as God passed, it, Scripture accounts that Moses' face, it, it, it glowed in the dark for days. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, it, that's hard to grasp. That's hard to, to think about that. You know, if you came in your face, I mean, it's kind of dark in here and your, your face would glow a little bit. We'd be like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? Um, so once again, the... The face towards means you have approval. The face from means um, that there's the wrath. And, and Moses could only see God as he was passing by. That's key. Because once again, Jesus came and he fulfilled everything. 
Everything from the Old Testament to the New, everything that he did had a purpose. And, and Jesus was on the way to meet with Jar- Jarius, Jarius, was on the way to heal uh, uh, the man's daughter. And in the midst of that, you know, we know that's when the unclean woman touches his back. Isn't that usually how it works, though? In the midst of life, in the midst of everything going on, we can be so inconvenienced. Um, it's, it's just what happens. We get so busy and so much goes on around us. And we have to, to take that moment and stop and be in the moment, right? We have to stop and relate to those around us or stop and see what's going on. Or otherwise, a moment could be passed by. But see, this is a, the picture of the Gentiles when they're coming to Jesus. This is where they're grafted into the story. Because this woman is unclean. This woman should have never been in the picture. This woman, I mean, for one, for the fact that she was a woman in this time, um, her, her rights were none. Um, but yet she still pressed through. She still got through. And it, it's amazing that she, it, it records that she touched the back, the fringe of his garment, just the edge of his garment. And she was healed. And see, that goes back to, Exodus 33. See, because when God passed, Moses could only see the fringe of his, God's garment. He could only see God's backside. And, but yet he still met with God. But even in this moment, this lady reached out, touched the back of it. But, but Jesus is here and he's bringing in the new covenant and a personal relationship. And what does Jesus do? He, he, he stopped, right? He didn't stay looking forward, but he turned around. Why? Because he didn't want it to be just the backside that she saw, but he wanted his daughter to see his face. Why? Because it's a personal relationship. It wasn't about rules and, and regulations anymore, but it was about a relationship. It was about seeing the heart of the Father. Who touched me? Who touched me? I mean, we can see that this lady, she, she's heard of Jesus. She knew what was going on. She's exhausted her resources. And then it got to a point where she simply believed and trusted. Man, how often do we, uh, one, do we throw people in the Bible under the bus? Man, if they would only believe to start with, then all this would have been taken care of. Like, she had to exhaust all of her money. Why didn't she just believe to start with? When, if we look at our lives... Like we do the same exact thing. We, we pray for God to show up and we pray for God to meet with us. And we say, God, man, I need you to heal me or I need the, the doctor to do this. And then the doctor shows up and we push God out of the, the, uh, the story, right? Or, or we say, man, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Um, God, I need you to show up. I need a, a miracle. I need finances to come in. And we lay it out. God, I need you to do this or I need this. And then this happens and we just begin to push God out of the way. It's so often that we can miss the opportunity to simply lean in and simply believe. I mean, what happens if we believe and we actually trust God? Because that's the thing with doubt. Uh, Whether it's a little doubt or a lot of doubt, doubt is still doubt, right? Not trusting is still not trusting, whether it's small or whether it's great. But what if we can simply lean in? Like I said, Jesus stops and he shows her his face. And don't you love the fact that we don't have a passing God, but we have a God who will stop and meet with us in the middle of it and show us his face? 
I, I love the fact that we have an anytime God. What do you mean? It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can be cutting the grass. You can be washing the dishes. You can be sitting in your car in traffic. And man, just the Spirit of God show up in just those moments with God that He's an anytime God. She could see Jesus face to face. You ever had that moment? There's a lot of them for myself, for my brother. Of, especially when we were younger, it was a dreaded statement because it set the tone of your day for the rest of your day, and it was just wait till your dad comes home. Just wait. You need to go to your room. Just wait. Anybody else ever experienced that? Not in a good way. <laughs> Not in a just wait. He's bringing you home some candy and a toy. I don't think that ever happened. It was just wait. You know, in that moment, you could have had a fight with your brother or your sibling, and man, you were cocky. You were like, yeah, I show them. You know, but in that moment of just wait, you lose all confidence, right? <laughs> You're like, I am so sorry. Let me wash your feet. Let me, let me do your laundry. Whatever I can do. You lose all cockiness in that moment with those words, just wait. Um, but then it goes to the worst anticipation. Like, it seems like the clock slows down. Um, it's one thing if it was like 30 minutes, you know, but there were some days at lunchtime, you know, dad didn't come home till five, <laughs> five hours in the room of sitting and waiting and the anticipation of, oh, if you only knew what was coming. Uh, I know dad's told the story many times and I don't recall it, um, but Jonathan has verified it and mom has verified it. But there was a day that we were fighting and they sent us to the room and dad came home and said he was tired. He said, sat us on the bed and said, listen, I don't want to do this. I know you guys don't want me to do this, so what we're going to do is we're going to fake it. Um, I'm going to hit the bed, <laughs> and I want you guys to act like you're crying, so that way we can just move on. And, um, and that's what he did, and then Dad himself got in trouble. He, he walked out, and Mom said, you just wait. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, so often in time, us as Christians believe the same way. We, we think, man, just wait. Just wait. Man, it's going to get worse. Just wait. We are anticipating bad things to happen. When we can see at the end of Scripture, we know that Jesus wins, that we win. But yet we simply, in our life, we anticipate the bad things to happen. And our life, our Christian life, is based upon sin management rather than living out the fullness of who we're called to be. We're more worried about what we can get away with. Well, I'm not doing that anymore, but I know I can do this. And, and man, we're so quick to, once again, anticipate bad things and be worried about our sin management rather than leaning into what Jesus has for us and the fullness that He has for us. Because that's the thing about loving God. If, according to Scripture, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then the Father now sees us through His Son. So He sees His Son, Jesus, through us or in us when He looks upon us. So that changes our life. So that means that we can walk out who we're called to be. That doesn't mean we can go and do whatever we want to do. But it means that we walk through grace and we walk through faith and we simply trust and know that God has got our back. But so often we anticipate bad things. I mean, Psalms 23, we always, heard it, we always have heard it or I've heard it and talk about, man, you're just a good shepherd. You know what a good shepherd used to do? If the, the sheep strayed away, they would track them down and break their legs and bring them back so they didn't stray away anymore. That's not a good shepherd. <laughs> That's abuse. <laughs> but yet we, we do the same thing with God as if He's going to track us down and break our legs. 
to bring us back. Which that is not the case. You know, Proverbs says that though a righteous man falls, he what? He gets up again. He doesn't lay there. He doesn't stay there. You know, in my 32 years, I've learned uh, the simple art of getting up. Man, it doesn't matter what happens. I may trip, may fall, may stumble. If I just keep getting up. If I just keep getting up. No matter what we do, I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep walking after Jesus. I'm going to keep following um, Man, us as Christians, we can be um, the worst on ourselves. Man, why? Because we know our behind the scenes. We compare our, our reels to everyone else, right? We see their highlights, and we think we should live up to that life, but yet our behind the scenes is what's dragging us back. We, we assume that we need to pay a price, right? I mean, some of you have come across that. I was listening to a... a, a in uh, uh, an interview yesterday on the radio, and they were talking, and, and um, the father uh, of the family did some horrific things, and, um, and he embezzled billions of dollars, and then his family disowned him, and then um, one, one son had had a battle with cancer, but then it came back, and the son ended up dying of cancer, and on his deathbed, he's like, I died because of what my father did, because I got cancer. It's like we think that way. Like we think that, man, I, I messed up, so that's why my child is wayward. You know, I, I, I sinned, so that's why this is what's happening at work. We think that these things, man, justice serves me right. I deserve this. Because once again, we're in sin management. But we have to get to a point where we trust and believe, and it's the grace of God, and we can walk things out and know that it's His best intentions for us. God is not a just enough God. But he's a more than enough God. He, he supplies and, and meets us in the midst of it all. So we know the, the woman with the issue who was healed after 12 years. I mean, this moment where she comes in, she pushes through the crowd. This is, I mean, you can only imagine what's going through her mind. You can only imagine what's happening. If I only trust, if I knew, if I can just touch him. And she, she gets healed. But then what happens? I mean, this thing that in her life that she's, man, she's wanted this so bad. She's exhausted all of her resources. She's exhausted everything. And this was her last effort. She was healed and she knew she was healed. But yet she hit her knees because she was still terrified. I mean, she, in that moment, God gave her everything that she needed. But yet she still knew who she was. And felt she still didn't deserve it. And she hit her knees, afraid of the judgment that was about to happen. She anticipated judgment from Jesus. Scripture says that she was physically shaking. Why? Because the law said that she should have been stoned. She was outcast. She shouldn't have been there. That was not her place whatsoever. And she knew the law. But even in the midst of it, Jesus scanned the crowd. He knew who touched her. He knew who touched him. He knew exactly who it was. Isn't that awesome that, that, that God will ask questions to get us to check our position? He knows exactly where we are. He, he did it with Adam and Eve. He's walking through the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to stop and say, this is where I am. I'm not with God. 
so I need to make a change. And he did the same thing with this lady. In the midst of it all, he says, who touched me? Why? Because he wants this lady to ask the question of where am I at? Why am I here? What is going on? So she falls down in a, a heap of emotion and religion and legalism. And say it's a place that I've been myself, full of emotion and religion and legalism. Because her number one prayer was answered, but yet she was still afraid. But it was a, a defining moment because of what Jesus said to her when he looked to her. He didn't start off woman, he didn't start off sinner. What did he say to her? Daughter. Wow. Daughter. Man. Daughter. I, I love that the gospel is, to, to understand the gospel is to understand adoption, right? Because we were orphans, is, is what scripture says. And, and man, it's one thing if you're a parent, like, you don't get to choose your child, right? My parents are kind of stuck with me. <laughs> you know, you can only hope and pray for the best, but when it comes to adoption, you, you get to choose the, the child. You get, you get to choose who you want to love. You, you know, talking with people who have adopted, they, they, God has sent them on the path and they adopted the child, but they, they said it's a whole other aspect because it's like, you're now mine. And that's the same with the Father. Is he, he chose us. It, it goes from a point, but it, it, He chose us to love us even in the midst of all of our issues and, and our, 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 our junk and what's going on. He still looks at her and says, Daughter, man, know that the way that the Father looks at you is daughter or son. Like I'm with you. And I, I love what, what He says next. He says, Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Hey, perk up. Hey, look up here. It's all right. Isn't that what you do? You know, uh, many times as I was hurt uh, as a child, it, you get the child to not focus on the issue, right? Hey, look at me. Look at me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then you can begin to calm down. Because if you look at the issue and look at the need, you're not going to be able to. You're going to see blood. You know, you scraped a knee. You're going to see blood. You're going to see rock. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then it just begins to spiral. But when you say, hey, listen, look at me. It's going to be all right. Hey, be of good cheer. It's going to be okay. Daughter. Daughter. Son. What are you asking God for in your life? What are you believing God for in your life? Are you to a point where you can say that you trust in what the Father is doing in your life? Are you to a point where your needs are so great that you're, that's where your focus is. I believe the heart of the Father for you today is, hey, be of good cheer. Look at me. Look at me. It's okay. Be of good cheer. I got you. I got you. I got you. What are you afraid of? I mean, when it comes to Jesus, what are you afraid of? Why can't you fully trust in what he's saying? Why can't you fully lean in to what he's saying? You know, what I've learned about fear is it dictates everything around it, right? 
We've, we've talked about this. If, you have, if you're afraid of heights, then what do you do? You never put yourself in a position where you're going to be in, in high, like on a ladder or you know, up above. I've learned the older I get, the more, whew, man, my stomach turns right when I get to the edge of a rail. <gasps> and then I just have to back away. But it's the same, if you're afraid of the dark, man, I remember when Jurassic Park came out when I was a little child and my parents let me watch it. I could have swore up and down there was a velociraptor in the shower in our mobile home. I mean, but I would not go in the dark. Right, why? Because if you're afraid of the dark, you're never going to find yourself in the dark. Because that's the thing about fear is, is not only does it control you, it dictates what you do. It dictates where you go. And, and that's the thing when we have fear, when we're uh, afraid to get in relationship with people, when we're afraid to, to trust God, it's a fear of trust. So it begins to dictate what we do and we won't lean in. So I love 1 John 4, 17 and 18. It says, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Why? Because at that moment with God, we have the fullness of God when we accept Christ. We have everything that He has to offer. He's not hiding anything back, but it's our revelation of knowing Him that, that begins to to grow and change, but it's always a journey with God. If you think that you've arrived with God, then chances are you haven't. Um, You can't. It's always growing, always growing. Our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. If I don't have to fear on Judgment Day, then why do I have to fear today? If I know that all of my hope and my trust and everything is in Jesus, and the day that I I get to meet Him, He's going to say, well done, good and faithful child, then why do I live my days now based out of fear and afraid of what could happen? We have to get to a point where we can lean in and know that it's, it's finished, it's complete, it's there. We can trust. Like there's a boldness that can come about to know that when you can walk in the room, that it's what's inside of you, the hope, the excitement, the joy, the love that God's placed inside of you, that you don't have to fear what's going on around you. But you can bring peace to a situation. You can bring hope. You can bring joy. You can bring love, whatever it may be, to those moments. It's a moment where we get to live free indeed. He said in 1 John, it says we get to, to live like Jesus. As Jesus is, so are we. We are right, right now. You know what I, I've also realized with Jesus is that he never questioned his relationship with the Father. Even in the midst of the garden, he didn't question his relationship with the Father. He questioned what he was supposed to carry out. But because of his relationship with the Father, he still carried out what the Father asked him to do, even though he had questioned it. Why is it when something goes wrong, we're so quick to question our relationship with the Father? Man, does God really love me? Is God really here? But what if we can get to a point and know that we have a confidence that we can walk it out, that God, man, God loves us 
unconditionally. There is no fear in His perfect love that all that is cast out, that there is a confidence that we can walk out, that we can know who we're called to be. I mean, we may question the circumstance, but we don't ever question the heart of the Father because we know exactly where that is. And that's towards His daughter and towards His Son. Why? Because as His perfect love grows in us, so our love begins to spread. It begins to turn back. It changes our relationship with God. It changes our relationship with those around us and all that's going on. We have to get to a point where we don't allow the traditions of man to render the gospel ineffective in our lives. We, we get so stuck in tradition that it has to be this way. That it has to, you have to do it this way. You have to. But what is God saying? What's the heart of the Father saying? He, he's worried about people's hearts. He's not worried about traditions. So often, you know, we build churches, and it's so easy for humankind to build these vast churches and these cathedrals and these stained glass and these paintings. Why? Because it's easier for us to worship a God that we think is so large and so far away. And it's hard for us to accept that there is a God that loves us and wants to be in the midst of our every day. So that way we lean ourselves into more tradition because that's easier to follow than to do relationship. But I believe the heart for this church is that we lean in, man, that we love God, that you know who you are called to be, that you are a daughter, that you are a son, and that no matter what may come about in life, one as a body, as a family, we're going to walk through this, we're going to be there, and we're going to see and truly believe that our best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, if you want to come. Like I said, so often in our life, we can be so worried that, man, we just don't want to screw up. I just don't want to screw up. But if we can just lean in and be in a place where we trust and know that God is with us. You know, some of my, uh, well, it's talking with people and blessed to travel a lot. So often uh, we can use prayer as an excuse to travel, right? Man, let me pray about that. Or use it as an excuse for anything. Let me pray about that. Uh, I remember a long time ago, Dad told me this gentleman approached him and said, I need you to do this. And he's like, I want you to go pray about it. And uh, Dad looked at him and said, there's some things I don't need to pray about. So no, I'm not going to do that for you. <laughs> and he just let him know. But so often, you know, if we look in Scripture, we can see that Paul, he, he didn't pray about where he should go. He went. But it was knowing that the Holy Spirit was going to convict him and change him when he needed to change his plans. So often in life we expect or we wait for God to, to do something in us and then we go when he's saying, no, I want you to simply go. I need you to simply trust me. And whatever that may be. I'm not saying go get on a plane and, and, and go to Africa. I'm saying in your job, in your life. And, and whatever may be happening is to, to trust God to walk things out. Don't just sit there and wait for it, but know that He's with you, that He's called you, that He's, he's, he's there in the midst of it all. To move past a sin management idea and to lean into who we are and our position with the Father. You know, grace was, was founded uh, out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. But as I was just reading it and looking at it, man, I was leaning into it, and I was like, I, w- I want to read 1 through 8. In the next three weeks, um, we're going to be breaking this part down even more. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. 
You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We, we all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose His temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, He embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on His own with no help from us. I love that. He did it all on His own with no help from us. Then He picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. He says, now God has us where He wants us. You question your life, you question what's going on, where you're at. We can go back to this. Now God has you where He wants you. Why? Because He's worried about today. Yeah, the future is going to be great. That's going to be lovely. But He's got you where He wants you in the midst of where you're at. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. As I was reading that, it says, with all the time in this world. What does that mean? God's not in a rush. He, he's, you know, he's, he's never early, he's never late, but he's rarely on time in my clock, <laughs> right? But he's always on perfect time. So why do we get in like such a tizzy when it comes to things? When we, man, we live by Fox News. We turn it on, man, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. This is the world is so bad. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. <gasps> It's not that it's any worse, it's just televised. It just shows us that, man, that our God needs, our our world needs our God. (laughs) It means we need to love people that much more. In the midst of it all, we need to love people that much more. It says saving is all His idea and all His work. That's the key thing. We need to love people and allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and their lives and leave the saving up to Jesus. All we do is trust Him enough to let Him do it. Ah, It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work that He does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do work we had better be doing. Even on the front of your um, the bulletins, we 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 want to we always try to be intentional and evident in what we do. But it's simply what it's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that you've been, not the church, but it's by grace that you've been saved. What the Father's done in your heart, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that we don't have the pressure of saving people, that we just have the joy of loving them. So God, I pray for each person here and each family, God, that, man, that you touch and you do what you do best. God, those that are are in doubt and man, worry or, or in fear, God, I pray that you just begin to speak to their hearts now. God, that there is peace in the midst of anxiety, joy in the midst of fear. God, that we can take a deep breath and see that you're in the midst of it all. We can look you right in the face. 
God, we thank you so much that we're your daughters, we're your sons. Thank you. So God, I pray for everyone's week this week that, God, there is moments that we can't pass up. God, that you uh, intersect people into our lives that we have to love on, whether it's God, make it inconvenient so that we have to stop. Um, so that, God, that, that we can show those around us what's inside of us, and that's your love. That's growing into your perfect love. And everybody said...